Well, good morning. It is good to see you. Welcome to Relentless Church. My name is David Jones. Welcome to our online family that's joining us as well this Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to our dads. We are blessed as a, as a church with the uh, quality of dads in our church. Um, as they get things ready behind me, I, I remember every Father's Day I have the same memory. It's, um, I was home for the summer from Christian University, so people knew that I was, you know, going into the ministry. And um, a family friend, I don't remember the connection, but they said, hey, there's this church in Greensboro, I grew up in Winston-Salem, there's this church in Greensboro that needs somebody to kind of fill in guest preach. You know, that's you, right? So can you do that? They might even pay you a little something. I said, yeah, I can do that. So it was in June. I didn't do the math. It was a couple weeks out. Uh, well, then I realized it was Father's Day. So I was like, okay, I, I ain't no dad. I'm 19 years old, but I'm going to bring the best Father's Day message this Greensboro church has ever heard. So I, I prepare. I do what I do. I'm a rookie at best. I go into this room. It's a tiny church. Um, there's probably 20, 25 people there. Of the 20 people, 19 are female. And there's one dude, and he looks to be about my age. He ain't no dad. So I got 20 people. I got my Father's Day message prepared. I got no fathers in the room, including myself. What do I do? What do you do? You preach that Father's Day message because <laughs> you got no plan B, and I preach to that room full of no fathers, not being a father, not really knowing what I was talking about, and I preached... Uh, maybe the best Father's Day message uh, in the history of that church. I have no idea. Um, but from that day forward, it's like, you know what? No matter what the holiday is, I'm preaching to everybody. So we are welcoming and thrilled and excited. And, and I hope your family celebrates you dads. But today is a message not just for dads, dads included, but for everybody. We continue this herd immunity series. I hope you've gotten the point um, now. If you're new with us, here, here's, here's what we're talking about. We're not talking about herd immunity as far as the pandemic, but if you understand what, it, what that H-E-R-D means, it means some people believe we can get to a point where the virus can no longer impact or infect us if enough people get this and that, right? You've heard plenty of that. Right, so we're adding a letter to a herd, H-E-A-R-D, herd immunity, and we're going the other way with it, that we think in our culture, because it's really hard to find somebody who's never heard of Jesus or even the gospel or their version of it. it it's, it's so prevalent and talked about. People have all thought that they've heard it that it can start to lose its impact, its ability to infect us in a good way. Now, the gospel is just as strong as it's always been. What we deal with today, which they did not deal with in the first century, is, oh, yeah, I've heard that before. Right? That, that, nobody had heard it, right? It was brand new, and it's still brand new because it makes new people. But we've got a different obstacle because a lot of folks that in your life, and maybe you're one of them, would say, yeah, I've, I've heard about that. So we pushed back on that a couple weeks. Go back and check that out if you missed it. We're going a completely different direction today with herd immunity, and it's, it's a reason, it's a big fat reason that some people, they just can't hear the gospel. If you do a survey, and there's all kinds of data to back this up, surveys have been done, you don't even have to do one, but if you do one in America, and you ask people that don't go to church, why? Why don't you go to church? There is a ton of answers, but in every survey, either number one or number two is the same answer, some version of 
It's just a bunch of hypocrites. Right? You've heard that. It's, it's, it's just, I don't have time for that. It's, it's fake. It's, it's the Christians I know, they act like they're better, but they're not. They do the same things everybody else does. They just put off a different vibe. In fact, in some circles, Christians are the most holier than thou. It's a phrase you've heard, right? condescending. They look down on other people because of what they think they are, whatever, whatever, whatever. Which is so tragic. Gospel is a gospel-centered, forever-focused, multi-ethnic movement of God that those people could ever be accused of looking down is so far from the gospel. The essence of the gospel is none of us are good enough to look down on anybody. But, like, am I lying? Is it, is it hard to go out here today and find somebody that thinks that about you? They don't even have to know you. Oh, you're a Christian. I got it. Right? I got to be honest. When I meet neighbors, right, usually men out doing, you know, yard work and, you know, we, if somebody walks by I haven't met and we get to talking and I know it's coming. <laughs> so what do you do for a living? So I'm, a, I'm a life coach. That's what I tell them, right? <laughs> right? Not because I'm ashamed to be a pastor or not because I'm ashamed of Jesus in any way, shape, or form. I just know that we, we pray about what neighborhood we live in, and we, we, we believe that we're missionaries just as you are in your job, in your family, in your neighborhood. And so, so we're getting, like, what's God here? And I, I don't want the first impression to be I'm a pastor and what might go into their head of what that might mean based on sometimes false stuff, sometimes based on real stuff. So the title of this message, Herd Immunity, number three, is Hypocrites, Hucksters, and All Kinds of Hooey. All right, like that. Now, I don't know if hooey is, I don't know if you don't know hooey, it's just a bunch of junk. Um, that's a, is it okay? It's Father's Day. I can say hooey, right? Hooey? Okay. Uh, sometimes, usually I find out after church for my wife, yeah, you really can't say that. Um, but we're, we're rolling with it. And we're going to talk more about hypocrites than we are hucksters and hooey. Here's why. Huckster, that's just, I wanted some H's. I want it to sound good, right? Huckster, that just means like a fraud. And if you're a fraud, like I don't have, like we're not gonna spend a bunch of time because yes, there are, but I think we got a lot more issue with, with hypocrites and, and what that means than, than like, yes, there are frauds and you will speak to that a little bit. But mainly, let me, let, me, let me start with this quote. We've used it probably four or five times in the history of this church. It's a it fits, and a lot of times we're preaching as a church for the untold, unconvinced. We give you this Gandhi quote. Show me this Gandhi quote. He says, I like your Christ. I don't like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Right, so this is like one of the major leading voices connected to Hindu, and, and he's saying, my problem isn't with Jesus. It's with the people that follow Jesus. They, they, and and that, is, that is here, right? 2021, that sentiment is here. And, and Gandhi's a pretty revered guy, right? You don't have to know a lot. Like you say, Gandhi, and like people are like, oh, you know, kind of holy figure or whatever you think about. But then you do the research, which I don't need you to do. Just trust me on it. You know what Gandhi was? He was a hypocrite. Like the more years that go by, the more like his whole, like a whole, you know, tenet principle of what he taught was do nothing in secret. Do nothing in secret. Everything is out. Everything is supposed. We do nothing in secret, religiously, personally, privately. We do nothing in secret. 
And, and then this isn't hearsay, this isn't gossip, this is from people that, in his family and document and biography. Like he was doing crazy stuff in secret, like shady stuff. Like he would sleep naked with his relative teenage nieces just to like prove that he wouldn't do anything sexual. What? <laughs> Gandhi, like I don't even know what to say about that. Let's move on, it's awkward, right? But. Nobody knew that. That's not like some secret now. Like people have, like that's documented. That's true. That happened. That's wrong, by the way, if you didn't know. That's not okay. But it's, and, and maybe it's not that crazy. It's hopefully not. But I just tell you that not to drag Gandhi today. But that if you look hard and close enough at any of us, nobody's clean. If you're clean, then you don't need Jesus to make you clean, right? Sometimes the passion that we sing with, it's an understanding of what we've been cleansed from. And if you're confident in your own righteousness or your own resume or your own, like you think you got it all together and you haven't really done anything offensive to a holy God, then then the worship and and life and the gospel is just kind of nice. It's not deep. None of us, that you look hard enough, there's going to be some stuff. And scripture spoke to this long ago, the, the mo- maybe the most beautiful document ever written as far as the gospel is what we call the letter to Romans. And in chapter three, Paul says, hey, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks God. All have turned aside. Together they've become worthless. No one does good, not even one. And that's all part of this beautiful like, case he's making that only Jesus and through Jesus can we be justified and rescued and adopted and the beautiful stuff that we talk about. And you might be thinking, well, wait a second, I'm, I'm good. I'm not perfect, but I'm good. And in this context, it's like goodness is equal, like holiness, like really how good can you be in comparison to the goodness of God? Like we all fall short. Here's a guy. I'm going to put his picture on the screen. His name's Ravi Zacharias. I would think most of you would not know of him. I've mentioned him a few times at the theater when we did messages. He's had as much impact on me as any preacher pastor that I've never met. Um, Dr. Tony Evans and Ravi Zacharias, probably two guys that I've never met personally that have had just enormous impact on me. Um, he was, if you didn't know, he, he came from India, uh, became a Christian, and just spent his life doing what we call apologetics, defending the faith. He would go to Ivy League schools and debate atheists. He would go to Harvard and Yale, and, and usually people that aren't Christians that judge the debate would say he won. He just, he just was so good and gifted in preaching why there has to be a God, and why the gospel is the only thing logically that makes sense. He's a brilliant man, and he built my faith through the years. On his uh, deathbed with cancer a few months ago, uh, two guys that you may have heard of, Lecrae, uh, who is a, a rapper artist that we play a lot of around here, and, think, and Tim Tebow, um, and whatever you think about Tim Tebow, uh, football player, uh, also a Christian. They had been so impacted by Ravi Zacharias and, and close to him, they got to go visit him on his deathbed. And there's a cool picture I don't have for you of, of Tim Tebow and Lecrae as they were just spending time praying for this man before he 
exited this life and job well done, just impact on, on me, but so many others. I mean, he's been, the amount of countries and the places that he's, he's spoken in places that no other Christian speaker has ever spoken. It's crazy. It was on the day of his funeral that news started to leak out about some shady stuff that he was doing. All right, and I don't even have the heart to get into it. I don't think it's real relevant. Just know he was into all kinds of stuff sexually, and there had been some people in his organization that raised some questions, and they were hushed real quick. And It was crushing to me. Never met the man. But, you know, first, you, my, my, I don't want to say what you think. My first thought is, nah, come on. They're trying to, they're trying to slam my guy after, on the day of his funeral. Like, this ain't true, right? And then reality kind of sets in. And, and this may not be great, but I'll be honest with you. Here's, here's two thoughts I had when this came out. First, how could you? Like, dude, I don't know you, but... I love you. How could you? And the second thought I had was, and, and I'm not proud of this, and, and it wasn't like a major, it was a fleeting thought, but I'm just being real with you. A thought I had was, maybe God isn't. Because this, it wasn't him, it was God through him, but this man had he had built so much of my doubts and skeptics and questions I'd had, and he just, he just spoke to them so beautifully and wonderfully, and, and he didn't counter any of that, but when I found out that there was all this junk that he was hiding that he knows and I know and you know is not of God, is not okay, it's straight up evil, when that came out, it just had the thought of like, well, if, if he was living this way privately, if that's a lie, then maybe... God isn't everything I believed him to be. Now, God is good, and he meets me in that place like he'll meet you in your place. It's not something that I normally preach, but hey, when it, when it is, it is, and we're going to say it. And we're going to say it this morning because the reality is you know, I don't have to have met you online. I don't have to have met you either. You know someone who Jesus came to this earth and died on a cross for their sins so they could have full life in eternity and here, rescued and adopted. That is their purpose. And the reason they don't step to that is because of hypocrisy. They won't even come in the building because of this issue. I've heard it and I know it, but I don't wanna hear any more because it's not real. So what in the world are we going to do about that, church? Let's, let's start with, with the phrase, right? Hypocrites, again, hucksters and hooey. I'm I, I just, I just not going to take time because here's the deal. We can talk, we can, we can sit around, you know, we have this uh, culture of celebrity pastors, right? That's crazy and weird, um, and, and I used to, when I was in my 20s, I had an opinion. Like, you name a pastor, I got an opinion, right? 
as pride and arrogance and stupid, right? So, so now, here, here's, are there people, men and women, who are preaching the gospel for uh, self-notoriety, for financial gain? Are there ones that are just straight up frauds? Yes. Do you know for sure without a shadow of a doubt which ones they are? Probably not. So rolling the dice and saying, especially from a stage, hey, that dude is a fraud. Like if there's a 0.1% chance, like who am I? And the the reality is God knows the heart. I don't, and he didn't call me to lead any of those churches. So we're just not gonna spend time there. We're gonna acknowledge, yes, there's frauds and fakes. Hopefully, not as many as sometimes it feels like as you watch the news. But let's, let's spend our time on that word hypocrites because it's such a key word because you can define it two very different ways. I don't know if one is wrong and one is right, but it matters. One definition of hypocrites is, is when we fail to meet our own standards. That's a hypocrite. Here's what I believe is right. Here's what I believe should happen in this situation. Here's what I'll never do. And then we do the thing that we say someone else should never do. That's hypocritical. That's us. Because we, we don't even meet, we definitely don't meet God's standards of holiness. We don't even meet our own standards. Everybody in this room has done, some, done something that you believe is philosophically wrong and shouldn't be done. I don't, I don't even believe in God. You don't have to believe in God. You've done something. You have some sort of ethics and right and wrong. You've done something that you, in your core, believe that should not be done or said. So you can't meet your own standards, much less God's. In that definition, guess who's hypocrites? Every last one of us. So if we want to use that definition, then we'll put it in the sign, like relentless church, parentheses, church of hypocrites, right? <laughs> That's true. That's us. None of, like, because if, if, if not, what's the other side of that? If not, if you're not a hypocrite, then you don't need the gospel. If you have the ability to set your own standard and meet it 100% of the time, you're Jesus, or you're lying. I'm going with B. But if you think that, then you're, you know what I'm saying? So that's the first definition. If we go by that definition, then we got to stop, right? Every church is full of hypocrites, as it should be, as it always will be. But then there's another definition, and this is more of the biblical definition, but we don't really define it this way as much today. When we see the word hypocrite, and Jesus, man, he, he used that word. He slammed some, some religious leaders usually with that word. What it meant, it was, a, it was an illusion or a, um, not an illusion, it was, a, it was talking about play acting. In that day, it would be like modern day theater, not movie theater, but like going to Broadway, or going to Deepak, and, and, and it would, when, when people would wear masks, so they would be in character and they would wear a mask, not like our COVID mask, but you know, a, a, a character mask, and they would become that person because they're acting. That's the word that connects to hypocrites spiritually. So spiritual hypocrites that Jesus continually, you know, went at was those that were one thing, but then they pretended to be something else. Pretended to have it together, pretended to be righteous, pretended to be holy. And you can see where that is a much different definition and a much bigger problem because it flies in the face of the gospel, right? We do, we try really hard, right? I don't enjoy talking about uh, my sin or my addiction. I had a pornography addiction for a decade as a pastor and nobody knew. I, I, don't, I don't love going back to that. The reason I mention that a lot is because it connects to the gospel and the gospel says that I don't have to have shame for where I've come from and what God's delivered me from. 
And we want you to hear that, embrace that, and, and amen that because it takes away the desire and the culture of pretending. What we want at Relentless Church, you know, when you're online, when everybody comes back together, whatever day and month and year that is, that is, what we want is an environment where we don't have to fake anything or pretend to be anything for anybody. Now that should, that, like if you study scripture, that should be like, well, yeah, but somehow, some way, and we could argue about how we got there, the environment where a lot of people in 2021 would say, if you want to find pretenders, go to church. So sad. But we're going to take the positive end of, okay, what can we do about it? And what, what are we and what is God's church in its purest form and try to be that and ask God to help us. And to do that, I want to use just some visuals today because um, this is so big. This, this truth has been really impactful uh, to me. So there's basically three players, right? You're probably not going to be able to see all of them, but I'll tell you what they say, and the camera can see it. We'll figure it out together. Basically, three players in life, in the stage, if we're doing, you know, the, the play of theater, whatever, all right? So we're going to start with you. You're in this. You made the message today, all right? I think I got to stop telling stories about my kids, because now sometimes it's like, on the way to church. Are you saying anything about me today? <laughs> right? When they were younger, it was like, are you saying anything about me today? And now it's like, are you saying anything about me today, Dad? So, no, I'm not. I'm, but you're in it. Whoever you are, you're in the mess. This is, this is our humanity. This is core to the gospel. This is going back to Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, we're not, it's not a fable. It's not a myth. It's not a fairy tale. It's not something God put in scripture to teach us something. These fake people, they were real humans. Right? Jesus told us that. These were real humans that walked the real earth and had a really great setup, but they blew it. Why did they blow it? Because they wanted what we want, control of our own lives. And when they rebelled against God, from that moment on, sin came into the world and it came into us. So if you are indeed human, then part of your humanity is sinful nature an inclination, a draw, a desire. You don't have to teach two kids in the sandbox at two years old to fight and cry about one toy. They naturally get that, right? So we all have that in us. It comes out different ways. We'll come back to that, right? Second, all right, we have an enemy. He's real. He's as real as God is. He's evil. Uh, he hates you. He hates me. He hates God's church. He hates hope. He hates the relentless love of God. He hates grace. And you know what he loves? He loves the conversation about hypocrites and the mileage that he can get out of it and how he keeps people away from Jesus because of what hypocrites and the damage they've done. And then finally, we have God, Jesus, Holy Spirit. So uh, as I say, you know, if you haven't studied this or maybe heard a lot about this, this could be confusing sometimes, but it's three in one. It is three distinct persons, one God, three persons. There is God the Father. God the Father isn't God, isn't Jesus, all right? But they're both God. God the Father, Jesus the Son, and Holy Spirit, who's been, all have been in community together right, from the beginning, right? One didn't create the others. They've all been in existence from the beginning. And there's three because they are modeling the community that God wants for us. God was never alone. He never wants us to be alone, his church. So this is, some people refer to this as God, Jesus, and Holy Spirit. 
everything they're about and everything they are is about you being in a relationship with them, having a personal relationship with God the Father, with Jesus, with his spirit. So this is, this is what's in play at all times in your life and in mine. All right? So now, this sinful nature... Right, let's look at scripture. Let's see, let's see if it can help us a little bit. Ephesians 4, it's a letter Paul wrote to a church. And he's talking about people that are far from God and, and really where we came from once we're rescued and adopted. And he says, verse 19 of Ephesians 4, they've become callous. They've given themselves up to sensuality, greedy, to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learn Christ. All right, so, so the Bible repeatedly acknowledges, man, there's everything under the sun going on. But he's saying to this church, hey, that's not us. That's not how you learn Jesus. Next verse, 21, Paul says, assuming you've heard about him, him is Jesus, and we're taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. It's such an enormous verse. All right, let's, let's sit in this, all right? What that says, you can leave that up. It's corrupt, our, our, our natural way, our human nature, it's corrupt through our deceitful desires. That's a crazy phrase. You know what that means? And this is all through scripture. It means I don't have to know you and you don't have to know me. We got something in common. Isn't that cool? Like, we might not cheer for the same team. Some of us are going to watch golf, the ultimate. Sometimes I watch it to enjoy it. Sometimes I watch it because I need a nap. It just depends. But it, it serves both, right? Some of us are going to watch golf later. Some of us aren't. Some of us are going to watch NBA later. Some of us aren't. Some of us aren't going to watch anything. Some of us are going to eat some delicious, unhealthy stuff in just like an hour. And some of us are going to eat vegan. God bless you. <laughs> we don't have to have any of that. You know what we have in common? Deceitful desires. You have desire. What's desire? All desires are not deceitful. Everything you want isn't bad. But do you have desires in you? You naturally want stuff that is not good. And the, the key is not just that you want stuff that's not good. You want stuff that's not good. And the reality of those desires that you want is it's deceiving to you. You don't see that they're bad. They actually feel good. They feel right. You probably get defensive if somebody says, hey, I don't know if that's best for you. No, that's what I want. What's wrong with that? What could be wrong with what I want? What's wrong with it is in, is we're not even getting to this, your deceitful desires, they deceive. I want things that I can't even tell are against God. And you know what we're really good at? Maybe it's just me. The things that I want that are not of God, I can justify. I can create an argument and I can write a paper and I can convince myself and you that they're okay. Why? Because the desires within me are deceptive. We're all good at self-deceiving. Some may be better than others, but we're all good at self-deception. So all of us are going to walk out of here, man, that's rough. All of us are going to walk out of here with some desires 
for things that feel like that want is, is good and it should be, and they're actually, you're actually being deceived by yourself. You're wanting something that's gonna distance you from God. That's true. On top of that, you, you have an enemy. You have an enemy that hates you. And we can, you know, sometimes in church, it's cool to talk bad about the devil and Satan. Right? The scripture speaks of him as, a, as an adversary that is brilliant. Jesus referred to what he named him? The father on Father's Day. The father of all what? He's the father of lies. Man, I, I try to compliment my kids, and I won't go into that because of what I said earlier. But it's important, you know, like, hey, you know, you're gifted in this. You're, everybody's not good at, like, God gave you that, right? The enemy, he's best at lying. That's his best thing. And he is the ultimate deceiver. So you think you're good at deceiving yourself? He's better at deceiving you. So what does he do? He uses your own deceptive desires, and then he sets up traps, right? What does else the scripture say about him? He says he's a roaring lion prowling around looking for someone to devour. You've watched the National Geographic stuff. What do the roaring lions do? They wait for somebody trailing behind. They wait for the weak. They wait for the sick. They wait for the alone. And then they pounce. So we have a brilliant, deceptive, lying combined with our own fleshly, old, corrupted, deceitful desires. Can we really be surprised of how things go? Sometimes it's a miracle that we make it Sunday to Sunday without completely ruining our lives. (laughs) Except for God. Except for God who invites us into, we have a God who loves us, who gave us his spirit as we're baptized and follow and believe and put our trust in him. The spirit of Jesus comes to live inside of us. That's what we have that they didn't have pre-Jesus. We have the spirit of God actually dwelling on the inside of us. And as much as this may be like, oh my goodness, this is hard. A greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. That's true, that's real. He invites us into a dependent. That's why we always talk about transformation over transaction because transaction stuff is, let me get through the day without messing up. Right? And God set it up that the only way you'll get through the day is by depending on him. And the same thing tomorrow. You want to go a week and like, you know what? I'm going to do my thing this week. I'm not going to depend on him. I'm still going to believe in him. It's not that I'm not a Christian, but I'm just, not, I'm just busy. I'm just going to do my thing. That week, your deceitful desires will win. It does not take long for us to completely unravel. And some people go the other way and think, well, maybe God's not real because I was feeling him and it was good and everything was great. And then like, I just had a bad week and then my life kind of fell apart. That's not evidence that God's not real. It's evidence that God is real. It was never a transaction. I, even baptism is not a transaction. Hey, I'm gonna get dunked and then I'm good. Woo, you know, it doesn't work. Because he didn't want you coming and seeing him or visit him at a confessional or or checking in at Easter. He didn't want any of that transactional garbage. What he wants is to transform and shape you, Jesus, on the inside. And to do that, 
You got to be with him and seek him, not because you're supposed to or have to, but because you want to. And it's actually what some people call evidence that God isn't real because a bunch of hypocrites. It's actually evidence that God is real because one week of us doing our own life, we don't have to take a seminar on how to blow it. We do it well. And how how to, why did God allow it to be this way so that we would every day come back to him. He's a father. What a father's love. We, we love providing and being in relationship. It's not transaction, it's transformation. So back to Ravi. We don't have to show his picture again, but God help me understand, and I don't need to know, and I don't know all the details of that. But what I know, see, I had a sinful nature. And there's an enemy that seems to extra target those with a lot of influence. And that doesn't make him a victim. I mean, in a way, maybe, but, but that's why the church exists. We have each other, and pastors are not only not exempt, they should be first in line for the needing accountability. Because here's the, here's the thing, and I've got some men in the room and, and, and my wife and some men outside of the room that are walking with it. I talk about, here's the desire. Here's what I thought. Here's what I wanted to do, right? And I need to, get, I need to invite men into that, and so do you. Because the reality is, is there's no such thing as a super Christian job title apart. Everybody is deceived by their own desires. So out of protection and love for you and love for my wife, I want men who will see what I might not see. Well, how messed up are you? The same amount as you. None of us are totally in touch with the deception of our own desires. None of us, and we never will be. Well, at one point I'll graduate and then I'll be able to kind of sort through. No, that's the deal in your human nature. You'll never be able to fully see the deception of your own desires. And that's encouraged. That's like, oh man, that stinks. No, it doesn't. God gave you other people that can help you walk. You need each other. You need that strength and you need the spirit of Jesus. So when I processed what one of my, Mentors in the faith. And I, I don't need to know. I just know. They didn't have some stuff set up that they should have. And some people called him out years ago, and he straight up lied and said that's not true. That's on him. But before I spend a whole lot of time in anger or con- condemnation, I just go back to my own life. And the, the amount of times... Not just way back when in my 20s. I know that's not right. I know better, but I choose to be deceived by myself, by my own desires, by the enemy, instead of depending on God. Why? People, people that are, this is like the hypocrite thing. It's really, why would we let this? These are ugly. We all have this. We all have this. Why would we let this keep us from this? This is so good. This is so real, Right? Every regret I have in life is me turning my back to this and going full on into that. This is so good. It's, and, and I just, I won't go too long being God's lawyer. He doesn't need that. But let me just, let's, here's our phrase for the day. We'll put it on the screen. God, or just because humans are human, 
doesn't mean God isn't God. Right? Because I would love for recent stuff in the headlines, I would love that to be the last time that we see hypocrisy on display in the church of Jesus. It's not going to be. No church is exempt. No person is exempt or immune. Right? It's about dependence. And me, as your pastor, if I want to start, and it, will not, it would not be overnight. It would be gradual. It'd be sneaky. It'd be deceptive. If I wanted to start to depend more on me and less on him, it's going to negatively impact all of us. We are connected. That's not because I'm the pastor. That's true for you too. Your decisions this week affect us. We are the body of Christ. And humans tend to be human. And when they do that, it doesn't mean God's not God. Right? If I was an attorney for God, I would say, what's the alternative? God could have made us robots. You don't get a choice, right? When you're deceived by your flesh, when you're deceived by the enemy, you must obey. I'm going to put a chip in you, and you have no choice. Now you obey every time. He could have made it like that. But what does a father love? He loves to be chosen. He loves, what does he say? He says, without what, it's impossible to please God. Without faith. God loves faith. It's when you trust him. If you don't have a choice, then how can there be trust? So he was willing to give you choice in order for you to choose him. Knowing in our sinful nature and with the the enemy and all that he is, knowing that we would fall on it and get in traps and mess ourselves up over and over again. And he loved us so much that knowing that in advance, he had a plan all along to send Jesus who could not be Remember, Raph preached so strong three weeks of how Jesus was tempted, right? And if he'd have fallen for any of that, everything falls apart. But Jesus, perfect in his holiness, understanding, sympathizing with every weakness, but never sinned himself. And then died a brutal death, right? We want to get mad at God because people are stupid and blow it. And God sent Jesus to die for the stupid people and for your stupid sins. And then he rose from the dead and validated and in eternity forever. These bodies, the new bodies we're going to get, these bodies will expire. The new bodies, they don't come with all this junk. He's done. He's burning in some lake of sulfur, right? And these things, we get a new body with no sinful nature. It never breaks down physically, and there's no deceitful desires. He promised and bought that, and it is coming as sure as Jesus died on a cross, rose from the dead, as sure as he's coming back again for his church. And we want to get mad at God And stupid. Don't let the goodness of what God has done and wants with you and for you, don't throw that away because people fall and fail. That is his, one of his favorite tricks is to use people's screw-ups to keep you from a God that will never screw up. So you can trust that. Right? Jesus is the head, according to Scripture, of the church, meaning this church and his global church. So the head of our church, Jesus, you never have to worry about waking up and seeing a headline. What did Jesus do? I am so embarrassed. Never going to happen. For the rest of us, it's a constant dependence on him. And if you're like, you know what, okay, I get that. I'm not mad at God, but I, I just i am done with the church because of people I can't deal with. The, I can't deal with the idiots. Well, here's what you need to remember. Jesus' specialty is idiots, right? Every time Jesus got free time, you find him hanging out with the idiots. 
He came to save the idiots. And we don't get to have a church where, where everybody's, you know, at stage seven of their 100-step transformation plan. We are a church that welcomes those that haven't even started the process. And when you have people in the room that are just figuring some of this out, man, this is hard. They need us. They need the Holy Spirit. They need prayer. They need support. And we're going to give them that. But what you cannot do is judge or look down because then you're against the gospel to begin with. So we're going to have people that make mistakes. We're going to have people that sin. We're going to have hypocrisy in our midst. And we hope that's always the case because that means God's continuing to bring people that need him and we get it because we know who we are and where we've come from. I, um, I coach uh, basketball and one of my favorite phrases, despite if I'm coaching whatever age or uh, male or female, I'm coaching um, varsity girls. And one of our key phrases last year was, Fearless, not flawless. Right? And I think we can end on that today of, man, you see this, and man, I got these desires that are going to mess me up, and oh no, is this one of those deceitful desires? I want to I I go to Burger King for Father's Day lunch. I want to get a Whopper, but is that a, is that a deceitful desire? Like, listen, 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 don't, it probably is a deceitful desire, but I don't, that's up to you and, and God. It's, don't, don't, get, don't get paralyzed, right, with oh no, is it, God, God will show up. If you are surrendered to him, that's the whole key is surrender. Like you don't have to wonder, is this okay? Listen, it's not, we don't live in fear. We just depend. Right, we just, that's, it frees it. That's the freedom that we talk about. That's our only job. I gotta figure all this out. No, you don't. Just depend and surrender. Well, God hasn't made this clear. Well, then you're waiting on him. It's part of it. A lot of times he has made it clear and you need to help other brothers and sisters to walk with you. We wanna be fearless. I'm not scared of my sinful desires. I'm not scared of the enemy. If it was one-on-one, I'd be scared to death. It's not one-on-one, right? It's three on the world and he already defeated death and he's in me and he's in you if you're his. So we walk boldly and confidently, not in ourselves, but in him. We're not scared. We're fearless. We're not trying to be flawless. Jesus already handled flawless. If you try to be flawless, your week's gonna get bad by 5 p.m. Forget flawless. Just be fearless and dependent. And I'll close with this because this needs to be said. We, we don't live with the pressure of having to look a certain way to people. But I will say to the Christians online and here, I hope this message also reminded you, you have an enormous impact on other people's faith. They don't see Jesus because he's invisible. They see you. You cannot control the narrative of, there's hypocrites everywhere. Yes, there are. We've talked about that. But you do get to control being real and transparent and love and grace flowing through you to whoever you come in contact with, whether it's a server in a restaurant, whether it's that student driver that cuts you off. You get to be Jesus by his strength, not yours fearless, not flawless, and we'll come back together, God willing, and close this series out next week. Let me, let me ask you to stand. I'm going to pray you home. Father, we have such a beautiful mission that you've given us to go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them, teaching them to obey. And this letter that we looked at, just Paul saying to the church, if 
hey, I, I, you, you didn't come up this way. You were taught in Christ that we, it has to be taught. We have to learn to put off our old self and to every single day, renew, renew. You said renew day by day. Every day is a new day to be made new again and to surrender and submit and to depend and just trust that when we're depending on you, we don't have to worry and walk in all the craziness and the chaos and the pain and the damage done by sin. But none of us, None of us are gonna get through this unscathed. We're gonna be deceived. We need each other in those moments. Help us learn that today and going forward. And God, for the hundreds of thousands, you know the number, I don't, but I can conservatively confidently say, for the hundreds of thousands of people in Wake County that have not rejected you or your gospel, but they've rejected your church because they've just seen some awful stuff. Yes, amen from God. But those hundreds of thousands of folks, God, they've never, heard, they've never got a chance to really hear the gospel because they've already assumed it's false because they've seen false people. God, I pray we would not give up on them. We'd be relentless for them as you have, that we could even have conversations. God, maybe that, that somebody is listening to this message because somebody recommended it to them. They're listening to it on, on our website or on YouTube or wherever. And they've rejected you because the people have been so whatever. God, would you just draw them back to you that you got to work through all this junk, but it's so worth it because you're real and you're good. God, help us be a church that's real and transparent and attractive and draws this world to you and your beautiful grace. God, I pray your blessing on all of us here and online as we go. In Jesus' name, amen. Happy Father's Day, church. Thanks, Chipper. <laughs>